A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. Another great conversation here today with Sebastian Brenner. First, I want to let you all know that The Chemical Show was recently ranked in the top 10% of podcasts globally. So thank you for listening and sharing the podcast and keep doing so. Another thank you that I need to get out of the way first is I want to thank Siggy Hirsch. Siggy recommended that Sebastian come onto the show and provided that introduction. So Siggy, thank you. It's really appreciated. Today, I'm talking with Sebastian Brenner. Sebastian is Managing Director for Chemondis, which is the leading digital marketplace for chemicals in Europe with over 7,000 companies participating. Sebastian led the corporate startup from concept to realization, helping form the legal entity and built it up to a high-performing industry-leading team of 50 employees and growing, I guess. Prior to starting Chemondis, Sebastian held leadership roles at Bayer, Syngenta, and Lanxis. Sebastian, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thank you, Victoria, for the intro. Delighted to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. So first of all, tell us a little bit about Chemondis. Yeah, I think you've already brought some of the key facts up in the intro. But like you said, Chemondis is a corporate venture. Um, We were founded out of the chemical industry with a vision to bring digital support to the chemical industry. And most of your listeners would know the chemical industry is a $5 trillion industry. So it's a massively large industry. It's a global industry. But at the same time, when you look at the sales and marketing processes, digitization has not yet found its way into this industry broad scale. So we started in 2018 uh, with the vision and the ambition to bring that yeah, digital world into the chemical industry. I think what makes us unique is that we are a blend of people that come out of the chemical industry, like myself. Um, you've already mentioned I had roles in leading industry uh, players before uh, leading Chemondis. But at the same time, we have plenty of expertise from other industries that have undergone this digital transformation already. And uh, lastly, obviously, also the tech talent that we've attracted to work in the industry and that have built their product. And yeah, I think, I guess we're going to talk into more details, but that's in a nutshell of uh, yeah what we've built over the past years. That's interesting. So how did you get started in this B2B digital space, right? Did you have digital experience before you started working on Commandus? And frankly, I got infected with the digital virus when I was introduced to the idea. And I, to be honest, like in my past roles, I've always asked myself the question of, while I'm using in my private life, those platforms and tools to the very large extent, why is that not in business life the case? Like I'm one human being, I'm not shutting down like my business you know, laptop and then going back home and using Amazon, eBay, all of these platforms. Like why is that not the case in the B2B environment that I've been growing up with? So that's pretty much how I got infected with the idea and the vision to 
ask the question of why should that not be possible in the B2B environment? I mean, a couple of things work differently. A couple of things are obviously much more complex and involve significantly more people yeah, to take decisions. But at the end of the day, the basic principles of a platform or marketplace, they can apply equally in the B2B world as it is in the consumer world. And that is how we got started. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. And I've actually, I've long held that same point of view, right? Like if we can do all these amazing things on a handheld device, whether it be an iPhone or an Android device or whatever, why aren't we doing this in business? And the chemical business has been a bit slow to adopt this. Maybe all traditional businesses have, but that's how we accelerate and improve business and continue to attract talent, which is so important. So that's great. So how does Commandus work, right? So it's a marketplace, am I right? Yeah, at the core, that was the MVP, the minimum viable product that we started with was we wanted to prove that we can matchmake online, basically, yeah? that we can be an online matchmaker for supply and demand side, and that this adds value to both parties, yeah, to the buyers and the suppliers to use online and trading. But since then, we have developed significantly. So we've built around this core functionality of the marketplace to bring buyer and the supplier together, we have built a whole portfolio of services. Yeah, So basically, you can not only match, negotiate, and close a deal online. Uh, you can do this, for example, now um, for recurring business. You can also agree for long-term agreements, yeah, which is the vast majority of the business relationship in the chemical industry. Yeah, And then the buyer can basically call off out of these agreements that you've done. Um, we provide services, for example, when it comes to logistics, to insurance, to payment. Yeah? And we have developed largely into also the more efficient handling of these orders. Yeah? We all know how much manual work is involved in you know, getting orders from an email, from whatever, a telephone conversation that you had into your ERP system, and then also getting information back from the ERP system to your customer. Yeah? Today, this is all largely done on the phone or via email. We have built integrations into the ERP systems of our suppliers, and that allows for these orders to be automatically transferred into the ERP system of the suppliers. But equally, order status updates can be automatically transferred back to the buyer. Like, okay, your order's been accepted. Here's your invoice document. Here's the shipping information. So we're bringing a whole lot of efficiency into the process, but also an entirely different custom experience. Yeah, which is, again, close to what we are familiar with from the consumer platforms that we're all using. Right. So what is your typical customer profile? I mean, are you working with very large companies or is it small companies? Is it a cross-section? What makes somebody a good fit for Commandus? I'm convinced that to make this a success, we actually need to be inclusive for all of the participants of the industry. So we took right from the beginning to the decision that we are a platform for all professional buyers and suppliers and buyers of the chemical industry. So we are working with traders, with distributors and manufacturers Yeah, at the same time. And what we've seen recently, say in the last more or less six months, is also that we were able to convince manufacturers and the distribution logic to join us together in a joint approach to go online with their portfolio. And this is working out really nicely because if a leak comes in, basically the distributor and the manufacturer both on the platform, they have full transparency of what's happening, what's coming in, and they can then basically decide based on 
location, volume, whatever they have decided to either take up the lead with their distribution partner or with the manufacturer directly. So this is basically, that has been our approach right from the right from Interesting. The so it puts a lot more choice in the buyer's hands. It does put a lot of choice into the buyer's hands, but also, I mean, obviously it generates a lot of potential for business opportunities with the seller side, yeah? Be that distributors or be that be that manufacturers. In Europe, for example, particularly, we still have, to a large extent, distributors that are focusing on only one particular geography of Europe, let's say a country, yeah? And we are obviously, I mean, this is a web offer, so we are worldwide accessible. So we are generating business opportunities for these distributors yeah, to go beyond their home turf, yeah, expanding into other geographies. And so we are a partner, an online partner to, to those, yeah, to the buyers, obviously. I mean, they're looking for transparency. They're looking for choice. They're looking to compare offers. yeah, They're looking to find new supply partners. But at the same time, we are partner to the supply side for the reasons that I've just mentioned. Hmm, interesting. Has this shifted because of Brexit? Has Brexit affected that significantly? I mean, from what you can tell? Or is it a not really an issue for you guys? Do you mean Brexit or, or COVID? Yeah. Sorry. No, Brexit. Brexit. Brexit seriously. Yeah, Brexit. Brexit. I'm tired of talking about COVID, but let's talk about Brexit. <laughs> let's talk about Brexit. <laughs> to be honest, Brexit didn't have any impact on what we've built. It also doesn't have any impact yet on the way that chemicals are traded in Europe, from what I okay. see at least. So to answer your question straight out, no, I have not seen any impact out of Brexit for, uh, for our business model. Got it. Interesting. Okay. So one of the things I think it's interesting is... You guys have gone from startup, a well-backed startup, and you've grown significantly. There's a lot of people, a lot of companies that are always trying to figure out how do they grow? How do they get new customers? How do they enter new markets? What was your strategy or approach? How did you guys approach and think about markets, growth, just your strategy to go to market and build that business? Look, I cannot answer this in all details simply to keep this inside the company, but I'm not telling you any secrets if I tell you that the chemical industry is massively complex in terms of the products, yeah, but also in terms of applications, in terms of markets, in terms of industries. For Europe alone, it's more than 600 billion in industry a year. There's more than 22, 23,000 companies, so highly fragmented here. So what we had to do was to focus. We had to focus on certain industry verticals. We had to focus on certain geographies. Because there's always this question when you start a platform of how do you get supply and demand growing at the same time? You need to be attractive for both, for the buyer side and the supplier side. And we were able to do this by very clearly focusing on certain industry verticals and then to grow out of these industry verticals into others. So that was one thing, clear focus in where we want to be, where we want to play. Yeah. The second thing is, um, I think, the, the sales approach. We've learned very, very quickly when we started that it's not enough to put some Google ads up and, you know, the traffic is going to come from, you know, search engines. That's not yeah, going to work. Gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Our industry is not there. You know, our industry is still on the phone. Our industry is still on, on email. You know, our industry is still not, it's like in the pre-Google age. Yeah. So we basically had to take them from where the industry is. And that means it is a very old school sales job. It means we've got people in our team Usually that's a tandem of two, yeah? one from the chemical industry and one from a more software as a service background. And those guys calling, they are, they are attending trade shows, they are um, visiting our customers where they are and convincing them of the benefits of, of using this new um, uh, um, channel, the online channel. So it's a lot of old school sales activities, to be honest. 
behind this. Kind of yeah. personal, personal sales approach. Very much, very much. And you know, this person interaction is also not going to go away. This is also something that we that we hear quite a lot. There's this I kind of- I think people oh, fear that, right? They fear yeah. that digital is going to replace all the people. It doesn't. I'm convinced it doesn't because, look, we are selling very complex products. We're selling specialty chemicals. We're selling- products that find its way into other wire formulations, into other products, right? So you have to have the very deep understanding of what this product is, how it works, what it does, how it performs in my product that I'm selling. So this is not going to go away. This is far too complex. But there is a whole lot of repetitive ordering. Like once you've done this job, right? Once you've done this there is no need for people to be on the phone to be ordering another container or another truckload or another IBC full of XYZ where they know precisely what they need. Prices have been negotiated. Uh, there is no need for this to really happen you know, every time on the phone. So I think there's massive opportunity for bringing benefit with digital, but this personal interaction is not going to go away. Yeah. Do you see that as the biggest challenge or what do you see as the biggest challenge with digital adoption? I think... It is seriously to convince people of the benefits and to try it. And Victoria, I think now I have to talk about COVID because it has been a fundamental shift for us where like three years ago, there was very little pull from the market for digital tools, I would say. It was a lot of pushing us, us pushing it into the market. This has changed dramatically. Like I think everyone in the industry now understood that, you know, where's the value number one? And number two, that this is something to stay and it's not going to go away, but it's rather something that is going to help them accelerate, you know, again, what I mentioned earlier, to unlock new markets, to find new suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. And it's rather now people embracing this change. Yeah. And so this has changed entirely the dynamics, I would say, in our industry. Yeah. So I think we've seen a lot of supply chain disruptions. It's been hard to get certain products. I'm hearing right now in Europe, there's, you know, there's some certainly some production issues related to a a variety of factors, natural gas being one of them. Has that helped drive some of that growth because people are just seeking more options? Oh, very much. You know, more than 50% of chemical manufacturing is happening in China. And now with the logistics shortage, I mean, obviously this has put a lot of stress on global supply chains. So we've got a whole lot of activity at the moment of our customer base trying to find local alternatives. I mean, we can't do magic, but, you know, within our network, usually there's good chance to find product. And yeah, from what it looks, it's not going to go away too soon. Yeah. No, not very quickly. This is certainly something that has helped us on the buyer side to generate a lot of traction, a lot of leads for our customer base. And again, is another factor contributing to the, the rapid adoption of, uh, of our platform. Yeah. So I think the other piece that people fear is that using a digital platform reduces loyalty and reduces that continued relationship. And I know you you know you mentioned earlier that once the deal is, you know, people have reached an agreement, they may have negotiated, then they can just certainly be calling off a certain pattern, but I think there's always some concern I think in people's minds that by going digital, by going to a digital marketplace, it continues to commoditize the chemical business and commoditize the relationships. Do you see that? I would disagree to be honest. I mean, Every professional purchasing manager in our industry would be going to look for alternatives before cutting a new deal. I mean, they would not be working professionally if they wouldn't be doing it. I mean, maybe in the old world, they would be doing this on trade shows or they would be doing this on the phone or they would be doing it on whatever their preferred medium is. What I would assume is that especially also with generation change, 
there is going to be the need for digital platforms to play a role in this comparison as well. So I would say it's not dramatically changing this. It's just a different medium that people will be using in the future or are increasingly using already today compared to the comparison options they had before. Yeah. And like you said, once the deal is done, I mean, it's anyhow repetitive business, right? So it's anyhow in an existing business relationship, people are in these relationships for good cause, yeah? Um, because you're not switching your supplier from A to B to C opportunistically, yeah? As I mentioned, those products find their way into other products. They are in the formulation. There is certain technical limitations and, and you're not going to risk the quality of your final product just by switching opportunistically your supplier base. So it's not as easy as that, I would say, in our industry at the end of the day. Yeah, interesting. So, so I'm going to turn a little bit back to you personally, Sebastian. Let's talk about leadership. So I would imagine that leadership inside of a digital business where you really have some very distinctly different people than you might have in a traditional chemical business could be a bit different. What have you found from that perspective and what have you found to be successful for yourself? I would say this is an excellent question, first of all, because this is, I would say, one of the most fundamental differences working in a chemical corporate company compared to what the environment I'm working in today. Um, number one, one of the reasons is we are bringing in so many different domains into this company that it is impossible for anyone in this company be, to be the expert or the master on, on all of these topics, number one. Number two, we have to establish an environment and culture that embraces change and that embraces taking chances and trying out new things. Like we want to try out new things. In a chemical company, yes, there is the R&D world where you are experimenting, where you're trying to build new things and where you are going down new routes. But if you are looking towards the manufacturing side of things, you do not want to risk that base, right? So you are very much, you know, down to don't make any mistakes on, you know, running that plant, for example. Yeah, just yeah, trying to exa exaggerating here. But and the management of change process in manufacturing is designed to minimize change. Yeah, see, and I need a team here that is full of creativity, full of energy, full of, you know, bringing up things. So I learned very quickly that this works only if I'm basing my leadership on trusting each and everyone in this company, right? I need to be in a relationship with my team that basically trusts them to do their best in their area of responsibility. Yeah. We are obviously defining very clearly what are our targets, where do we want to go? What is it that we are wanting to drive this company towards? We have to have a clear kind of idea of where the company is going. And we have to break this down into objectives, you know, but how the teams and how each individual is then pursuing to find the best solution towards tackling that particular issue. That is something that I very rarely get involved in, to be honest. That is something that I trust the team to take on as much as, as possible within, you know, their own area of expertise. This is something where I strongly just believe in that, you know, the creativity and the solutions will be better if it comes out of the team and if it comes out of, you know, everyone being self-motivated to find the best solution. But coming back to my earlier point, simply because the span of topics and, you know, be it from tech to product design to customer experience to our sales and marketing processes, et cetera, it's just too, too broad yeah, and too uh, specialized at the end of the day uh, to have the illusion of the master of all of those things. It's just not reasonable and also, I think, not um, productive in, in leadership. Yeah. So I would say that's a key thing. And yeah, if you ask me personally, one of the most dramatic differences from my earlier career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. The coming from maybe a bit more of a control culture to just more of a, 
a true trust and leadership culture. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're, for example, very openly talking about when we make mistakes. I mean, we all do mistakes. We all make mistakes. Yeah. But it's part of building a successful product, building a successful platform is we have to try out stuff. If it works, great. We learn why it worked and we do more of that. If it was a mistake, we find out why was it a mistake? And okay, is there something we need to tweak to make it a success or do we just drop it? And we're working in very, very small iterations in all of what we're doing. We are working in investing a week, maximum two, into developing something before we try to find out if it works or it doesn't work. So if we found it doesn't work, we've invested a week or two, but not more, not a massively costly mistake. It's a very small bit where we found out, okay, it just doesn't work. So we take it back and work another route. Yeah. The other thing is we're working very closely with our customer base. Our customer base is basically with more than 7,000 companies. You mentioned that at your beginning. It's a wealth of inspiration is basically telling us where to go, what to do, how we can improve, maybe small things, maybe larger ideas, and continuously feeding our product development cycle. Yeah? So basically, we're taking this, we're consuming this um, systematically. And this is reducing your chance of failure significantly. Yeah? If you're carefully listening and be on the spot of how to implement um, certain new ideas, and this is reducing your chance of failure significantly. So we're doing this very thoroughly. Although it's also hard to listen to 7,000 customers, I would imagine. I mean, obviously, you can't listen to all of them at the same time. No, but no. We are in, like I said, um, for example, very frequent touch points with our sales and with our sales team, yeah, with the sales approach. So that's a source of information. We are gathering input with our product team, the systematic customer development dialogues that we are holding. And obviously also via our web page. It's very simple things like you can make suggestions on our page. So it's uh, on various channels. And I mean, obviously we're not jumping onto a topic just because one particular company or person mentioned something. But if that topic's popping up, you know, not one time, but two, three, four, five times, well, there must be something behind this. So let's follow up and let's see if we uh, can make something out of this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits of a digital business is that you have the ability to iterate more quickly. And it's just, it's more accepted. So I think, you know, inside of a traditional chemical company, it's hard to iterate sometimes. And you immediately see on the product if customers are using it or not. You can measure any kind of interaction with your product. So we see immediately, okay, is that new button clicked or is it not clicked? Or is that new, you know, kind of journey that we have designed? Is it working? You know, how's the conversion from A to B to C? You can measure pretty much anything. And that's what it's really fascinating to me. It is um, fascinating. And it's a big learning journey from where you were before, I would imagine. Oh, it is, again, very much for many reasons it is. And I've learned, yeah, a whole lot in the past years. And I'm very grateful for, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's next for Commandus? Well, Kimondis is on a, a rapid growth phase. As I mentioned earlier, we were focusing on certain geographies and, and verticals. So we are continuously basically expanding this. Our team is growing like uh, what you said. Yeah. So we are basically growing and basically expanding into, into new uh, market segments. Um, so this might lead us to uh, new geographies that we are um, facing. Yeah. Still inside of Europe, though, are you continuing to keep a European focus? Uh, yeah. I mean, the platform that we've built is, I think, catering to the Western professional buyer and supplier. So there is options for us also to expand um, outside of Europe um, with little adjustments on product. Yeah. And yeah, we are continuing to develop the product forward. I mean, we are confident that our product is, is, is industry leading, uh, but we have to always obviously continue to uh, keep up uh, you know the development and yeah we've got a pipeline of new product ideas that uh, that we are aiming to implement in the 
in the near future. Awesome. That's exciting. Well, Sebastian, thank you for joining me today. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Victoria, for the invitation. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone for listening to The Chemical Show. Keep listening, keep sharing, and enjoy the journey. Thanks. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.